recently, my wife and I have been fighting a major battle at home. Not against each other, but together against a common enemy. It seems like it's never ending, but we're quite honestly tired of it. <laughs> and we're at a point where we can do anything to get rid of this enemy. We feel like we've suffered more than we can. And this battle, I believe, is against the greatest nemesis of mankind, cockroaches. It's crazy. We've had several rounds of failed pest control and uh, over the last few months. And, and uh, we, we're probably seeing some victory over it, but it has not yet vanished. It's been a long, frustrating journey, especially with a toddler at home who wants to eat everything and who's crawling at lightning pace. I remember once, uh, in between another unsuccessful attempt, uh, we, uh, Taro and I went to the kitchen, we saw some dead cockroaches and some were just moving. And at that point, I just gave up. And this, I started quoting this verse in the Bible which says, For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way. And before I could finish the verse, Taru gave me one look. I was like, I'm, I'm quoting this from my own heart. <laughs> I need this. I need this. Honestly speaking, this famous verse of Paul from the Bible, for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory, I mean, it, it seems very unrealistic when we are in the midst of suffering. It could be as small as this cockroach thing. I mean, believe me, it's not small. But compared to everything else that's going on, small as that to something as big as, you know, when, when you or your loved one is struggling with terminal illness or, uh, you know, dealing with abuse. or it, It's so hard to make sense that this is light and momentary. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like that? Probably for you, trouble is that office. I mean, it rarely, suffering feels light and momentary. And that's why this verse seems so unrealistic, especially when we look at who wrote this letter. Paul, a follower of Jesus, if you don't know him, he's gone through some crazy stuff which we'll probably not go through in our lifetime. Or we might, we never know. But... It's when he says this, I'm like, Paul, what is this unrealistic faith you have? How are you even saying this after all that you've gone through? What is this superhuman, unattainable faith that you seem to have? This verse seems so unrealistic in the midst of suffering. So this morning, I'd like to spend some time looking at the passage where Paul says this. Um, the, the passage is 2 Corinthians. It's a letter that he writes to a church. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm, I'm looking at two bits, verses 6 to 11 and verses 16 to 18. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
वी आर एफ्लिक्टेड इन एवरी वे बट नॉट क्रश्ड परप्लेक्सड बट नॉट ड्रिवेन टू डिस्पेयर परसिक्यूटेड बट नॉट फॉर सेकन स्ट्रक डाउन बट नॉट डिस्ट्रॉयड always carrying in the body the death of jesus so that the life of jesus may also be manifested in our bodies for we who live are always being given over to death for jesus sake so that the life of jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh so we do not lose heart though our outer self is wasting away our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison and as we look not to things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal shall we just pray before we dive into this passage lord we are here knowing we know in our heads that your word is absolutely true probably some of us some of us are still grappling it in our minds as well but all of us are still grappling in our hearts we know that your word is true but often in this broken world we do not feel like it holy spirit would you make this word real to our hearts even as we look to jesus we surrender to the authority of your word in your name we pray jesus amen i titled my talk renewal and our endurance in suffering renewal and our endurance is something i based this on verse 16 where it says do not lose heart our outward self is wasting away suffering but our inner self is being renewed day by day here are the three things that we look at this morning the first thing is what is renewal second thing the relationship between renewal and suffering and the third thing is experiencing renewal in the midst of suffering Let's dive straight in. What is renewal? What does Paul mean when he says our outward self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day? If you've been part of New City for a while now, we've been talking about renewal quite a bit, especially in our gospel application groups. So, if you've not even heard of this term in this setting, what does this mean? I'll make a set some context before I talk about what being renewed day by day means to our own hearts. The gospel, which you heard all those people talking about, which you heard during the worship, which we are now talking about, the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what He's done for us, is an unfolding story. If this is your first time and and uh, in music. Everything that we do here revolves and is centered around this good news, and this good news is an unfolding story. What is this unfolding story? is broadly divided into five chapters. The first is creation, 
where God made a sinless and a perfect world for humans to live and enjoy. The second is fall, where humans sinned and brought curse upon themselves and the whole creation. The third is redemption, where Christ stepped out from heaven onto this broken earth and paid the price for our sin by laying his perfect life down, perfect and sinless life down to redeem us from this curse. All this happened before us. The fourth chapter is renewal. This is the phase where we now live in. After the cross and the resurrection, and before Jesus comes back again to take us, his bride, the church, this is the phase we, love, we now live in, where he is slowly making everything new. He's renewing us and the whole creation. And the chapter that we're waiting for, longing for, is the new creation. In this chapter, Christ will come back and everything will be restored. There will be absolutely no sin and no brokenness in this world. And one day, that will happen to us. We'll be perfectly reflecting this image of God. But since we live in this renewal phase of the gospel, where Christ has already paid for our sin, but not yet removed the presence of sin, we all feel it, don't we? I mean, even if you're not followers of Jesus, we all know that we are imperfect. We live in a world that's imperfect. It's broken. Since we live in this phase, before the new creation, where everything is going to be perfect again, there is a lot of suffering and brokenness. And, and this suffering is not limited to class, or is not limited to, you know, it might seem like some people are suffering more, but... It's, it's relative for us, but suffering is suffering. Everyone is suffering. It's irrespective of class. It is irrespective of where you're from, your religion, or anything. If you're human, you are experiencing suffering. And the writer of this letter, Paul, a follower of Jesus, he's experienced a lot of this in life. He experienced suffering. We're going to be looking at, we're looking at that in a bit. He's experienced a lot, and that is why he's saying, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Now, we all acknowledge this, this outer self wasting away, because we are all suffering. But what is this inner self that is being renewed day by day? What does he mean? Paul is explaining this in verse 11. He says, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Simply put, renewal is the process through which we experience death to our sinful self, so we can experience the life of Jesus in our mortal flesh. It's in this process that we grow in our Christ-likeness. All spiritual growth happens through renewal. And that is why this is such a rich and important thing for us 
here at New City. And this is not our own doing. This is God's doing in our hearts. Now, why is understanding renewal like this important? It's a simple truth. We all want to experience the life of Christ, don't we? We all want to experience the life of Christ in us, in our mortal bodies, but we don't want to die to ourselves. We want this life of Christ as a value add or like a top-up to our existing lives. Honestly, what we want is a recharge and not renewal. When he's offering up his entire life to give it so that our, we, our sinful self can be replaced by it, we just want him to empower our sinful flesh. What does this practically look like? What does wanting a recharge and not renewal practically look like? When we're going through trouble at work, a recharge mindset is just asking for God and his power to come down and change that troublesome boss that we have or that troublesome colleague that we have. If that is still surface level recharge, some of us might even go to the extent of asking, God, give me the strength to go through this, which we should. But we're still asking, we're still on the recharge level. What does renewal look like? Renewal looks like us pausing in the middle of the suffering, looking into our own hearts and asking, what is God doing in my heart through this? What is the sinfulness that he's pointing me to in the midst of this brokenness, in the midst of this suffering? He's probably breaking my unhealthy love for my work where everything in my life revolves around this. He's probably, he's probably detaching my unhealthy uh, security that I'm deriving from my work or how good I'm doing at work and placing it back to something eternal and rooting it in himself. Asking, what is God doing in my own heart? What is my sin here? And, and asking for Jesus to come and heal that sinfulness so that we can experience his life. That is renewal. We all need to move on from this recharge mindset to this renewal mindset. This is a continuous process. So going back to what Paul is saying, in this renewal chapter, we are experiencing two things. Our outer self is wasting away, which is suffering, and our inner self is being renewed, which is renewal. Now here's the thing I'd like to draw for us. These both are not disconnected. These both are connected in a very meaningful way. Let's look at the relationship between renewal and suffering. Paul says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And then he's saying, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. And he's saying all of that. Look at the flow 
in this passage. First, Paul is experiencing renewal in his heart. He's saying the light of Christ has shone in the darkness of his own heart. Once he experiences that, he's saying, he's experiencing this rich treasure in, in, in a broken body and this surpassing power that comes from God. He's experiencing that in his broken body and then he's saying, we are afflicted, we are, we are afflicted but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken. What's happening? Here's what he's saying. Experiencing renewal gives us God's surpassing power to endure suffering. Experiencing renewal gives us God's surpassing power to endure suffering. Friends, this is very important. Irrespective of who you are, we are all suffering. We don't have a choice. But if we are, ex we are not experiencing renewal, but going through suffering, it is dangerous for our souls. Why is it dangerous? I'm going to look at two equal and opposite ways that it is dangerous for our souls. The first way it is dangerous for our souls is when we go through suffering, we despise ourselves for suffering. This, is, this happens irrespective of what you believe in. If, if you're a religious person, you look at suffering as God is punishing me. If you're an atheist or agnostic or, or somewhere in that spectrum, you might see suffering as our own failure and we despise ourselves for it. We begin to hate ourselves for suffering. Probably I'm not good enough. I hate where I am right now. My job is terrible. It's not fulfilling. I'm probably doing the same thing again and again with no rewards. I'm getting beaten in every way possible. My health isn't great either. There's some ailment or the other constantly in my life coming again and again. Nothing seems to be working in terms of my relationships. And if you're married, my our marriage is not going anywhere. But there's no joy. The joy that I felt before, I can't feel it anymore. You know, when we go through this, we look at our life and say, my life is so bad, I hate it. We despise ourselves for suffering. You know, the Corinthian church, who Paul is writing this letter to, they looked at a suffering Paul. They saw him being, he's suffering so much, he's being jailed, he's so much bodily suffering, illness. And they started to despise him. Probably he's not like a legit apostle. You know, if he's legit, why, why is he suffering so much? Friends, is this true of you? When, when, when you look at suffering, when you're suffering, do you despise your life? This plays out in my life in a very subtle way. I'll tell you how it plays out. Because I see suffering and brokenness as my failure, I don't want to acknowledge the suffering. There's so much shame attached to it that, that I fail, how can I fail? So let me know, I'm not suffering, I mean, it's fine. I'm waking up every day, going to work, it's fine. I would rather live and function under the assumption that all is well. Or live that Hakuna Matata life, right? 
no worry, no. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that my heart is not feeling the suffering. It's it's buried so deep that I can ignore it. But here's what happens. When something external comes and surfaces that, I'm disproportionately broken. I'm shattered. This is so harmful to our souls. When we're not experiencing renewal and suffering, we begin to look at suffering and despise ourselves. It's only in the context of enjoying renewal that we acknowledge this suffering as a channel through which Christ is being formed in our hearts. It's an invitation to die to ourselves and say, God, I'm done. <laughs> Come. I'm at the end of myself. Now that's the first way it's dangerous to our souls. We despise ourselves for suffering. How the second way, equal and opposite way we go to, and how, how that's dangerous to our souls. We develop this stone-cold inner self by believing the cultural narrative, what doesn't kill you, What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. We believe that the suffering we experience in life is meant to make our inner self stronger. We, st- we tend to develop this stone-cold inner self after coming out of that suffering that, that the, the lyrics of this Sia song, Titanium, I'm bulletproof, nothing to lose, fire away, fire away, ricochet, take your turn, fire away. Then, then she says, you shoot me down, but I won't fall, I'm Titanium. We develop this stone cold interior when we become, and, and, when, and when, we bec- when we develop that, it's more dangerous because we then tend to inflict that suffering onto the others. Why should I only experience this? I've gone through this. When, when, I mean, don't you see that at your own work when you have a tough boss and, and you built a thick skin? How do you, how you treat your subordinates also is shaped by that. We become stone-hearted, cold-hearted. Empathizing with others becomes difficult. Because we constantly think, but I've had it worse. Look at me now. Ha! You have no clue what I've gone through. We develop something called a suffering righteousness. Because I've suffered more than you, I'm better than you. I've built a better capacity to endure suffering than you. Friends, probably some of us are relating to this. If you actually read verse 16 out of context, it's it's looking like Paul is saying, Paul is saying this, everything came at me, but I came out stronger. No, Paul is saying all these afflictions are not making my inner self stronger, but they're actually putting my inner self to death and Christ is coming to life. That is what it's, that is what it's doing. How are we dealing with our suffering? Which of these two ways you relate to the most? Sometimes it happens in phases. In the middle of the suffering, you despise yourself. You're like, ah. But the moment you come out, you're like, come on. I've seen everything I've had to in life. Now I'm, 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 I can face anything. I'm titanium. 
friends, this is so dangerous to our souls. I hope that we are seeing this. So if experiencing renewal gives us God's surpassing power to go through suffering, some of us are probably at that place this morning where we feel like the suffering is so real and tangible, but the renewal isn't. I see no traces of it. Lord, help me. Suffering, outer, outer self wasting away is very clear. But inner self is also wasting away. I, I'm not able to feel this, Lord. Do you feel like that this morning? How do we experience renewal in the midst of suffering? How is Paul experiencing this renewal that's allowing him to say suffering is light and momentary? Really, Paul? Being almost whipped to death, stoned, mocked, shamed, shipwrecked, physical ailments, the people you poured your life into are looking back at you, you're not even a legit guy. Going through all of this, this is light and momentary? This is how we feel, don't we? How is he experiencing renewal? Let's look at that whole verse. There's something else that he's looking at that is making him say this. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul is comparing his suffering to something else that feels way beyond comparison. He's comparing it to the eternal weight of glory that his suffering is preparing him for. Now, what is that will come there? Now, this is different from what we do. This is different from how we deal with our suffering. For us, if we want to make ourselves momentarily feel better, when we are going through suffering, we, we compare our suffering to the others who have it worse than us. We're like, at least it's not that bad, so I should be grateful. You know, this might momentarily work. But suffering is deeply personal to each of us. You know, sometimes your suffering is so deep and personal, you, you can't even, I mean, it's so difficult to even compare it to someone else. When we're going through suffering, we, to make ourselves momentarily feel better, we look at someone else and say, at least it's not that bad, so let me be grateful. This is not a robust framework for our suffering. He's fixed his eyes. This is what Paul is doing. He's fixed his eyes on an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Look how he's phrasing it. Light and momentary affliction. Affliction is light, but this glory is weighty. Eternal weight. Momentary affliction. He's saying this glory is eternal. What is this glory? What is this glory that is weighty and eternal? Just in this previous chapter, in the same letter, Paul is helping us see this. And he's talking about us followers of Jesus. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Hold on to that. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory 
to another. This is absolutely glorious. Imagine being in the absolute same image as Christ Jesus himself. And one day that will be reality. But the work for that is ongoing in our hearts. Like I said before, we might not feel like it. That's why Paul is exhorting us to see, look to fix your eyes on what is unseen because that is eternal. This Christ that is being formed in our hearts, that is eternal. What, we, what is so apparent and tangible, this brokenness, this suffering, what we see is not. When we look at the image of Christ that is being formed in our hearts, we find the power at least we grow to get there, we find the power to say that this is light and this is momentary. Now, here's all that we need to do to experience this renewal. And this is what Paul is doing. Fix our eyes and behold the Christ that is being formed in us. Fix our eyes and behold the Christ that is being formed in us. How do we do this? I'm going to close with one illustration and one practical application. How do we fix our eyes on Christ and experience that renewal in the midst of the suffering? A couple of years ago, I heard a sermon from uh, Tim Keller from another passage in, this, in, in the Bible, and he used an illustration that's, that stuck with me. He says, when you enter a giant room and there's a, there's a big screen playing video, and there are all sorts of noises, loud noises happening in the same room, humans automatically shift all their focus on that video, and this, the noises sort of become white noise. Now, I experience this on a daily basis. I work out of here, and when I work out of here, that's where I sit. There's a laptop screen in front of me. There's music playing in these speakers. There's that coffee machine that's making all sort of noises. There's that cafe they're making all dosa noises. People are talking loudly on their calls. And then in front of me is the screen. And often I'm working and often it is sermon prep. I find myself focusing on that and all of this is sort of white noise. Now friends, here's what Paul is asking us to do. He's not asking us to ignore the suffering. He's not saying suffering is not real. He's asking us to fix our gaze on Christ. He's asking us to put Christ on the video amidst the background white noise of all the afflictions we experience. He's not saying ignore them. He's saying put the focus on Christ. What does this practically look like? When we put Christ on video... When we are afflicted, we are not crushed because we see Christ who was afflicted and crushed in our place. When we are perplexed, we are not driven to despair because we see Christ who was perplexed and experienced the despair in our place. When we are persecuted, we are not forsaken because we look at Christ who was persecuted and forsaken by the Holy God. 
his own father. And we are struck down, we are not destroyed because Christ was struck down and destroyed in our place for our sin. That is what fixing, putting Christ on video practically looks like. When we behold him crushed, when we behold him in despair in our place, when we behold him forsaken, when we, be, we, when we behold him destroyed on that cross in our place for our sin, we begin to experience this life that Paul is experiencing, this resurrection life in our mortal bodies. This is what Paul is experiencing. It is, this is not some superhuman faith that only Paul can experience. This faith is open to us. This faith, all we need to do is look at this Jesus. Put Christ on video. Friends, here's the thing. As simple as it sounds, this is still difficult. Our sinful selves are not created. I mean, we, our brokenness does not allow us to put Christ on video. Our brokenness doesn't allow us to fix our eyes on Jesus. There is only one place this happens. And we've been talking about it a lot at New City. There's only one place that is created, that God intends us to be there to fix our eyes on Jesus. And that's in the triangle of God's word, God's spirit, and God's people. We experienced that this morning, didn't we? I'm sure all of us have our afflictions, but when we cried out Jesus over everything, Christ was on video. We're proclaiming Christ over all these afflictions and everything that we're experiencing. Friends, this is the only place that we get to fix our eyes on Jesus, that we find this, experience this all-surpassing power, God's all-surpassing power to end your suffering. My only question is, what are we doing to make this triangle bigger in our lives. What is that one step that we are taking so that God's word is a little more in our life? That we get to enjoy God's spirit a little more in, in dependence on him in prayer, the Holy Spirit help. What are we doing to enjoy God's people. What? There's so many avenues that, that we have now created for us to be plugged into apart from Sunday. Hey. And we're experiencing this in these small groups. Aren't we in, in our small gospel application groups, in the women's meet? We're experiencing us setting our eyes on Jesus together. Friends, this is the only place where it can happen. This is the only place where we find God's surpassing power in our hearts to endure suffering. This is where renewal happens. Only question, what are we doing? If you're not a follower of Jesus, what do you take away from all of this? 
you know, irrespective of who we are, whether we're followers or explorers, we're all looking for a God who just simply takes and wipes away suffering in one moment like that. Jesus Christ is the only God who came and did more than we can ask or imagine. Friends, our external suffering can be removed like that. Probably a tough boss will go away in one moment. But the hurt that that suffering made us experience, those wounds that we carry from years, that only someone who's experienced it can heal. Someone who's been in the fire himself, only that person can heal and save us completely. And Christ is the only God who stepped into this broken world and experienced every suffering that you and I go through. He knows. He knows our suffering even deeper than more than we know or we've uncovered. We're probably scratching on the surface. Christ knows how deep it is. And he wants to heal us of that. And he's taking us to a place where that cry of our hearts, would you wipe away everything? Lord, take away. He's taking us to that place. Only he has promised that one day he will come for his bride. And we'll be in this new heavens and new earth. And every brokenness, every tear, everything will be wiped away. This is the Christ that we have. And this is the Christ who has open arms for you. Would you want to put your faith in this Savior who knows you, who knows your suffering, who wants to heal you. He wants to spend eternity in a perfect world with you. Allow me to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, as much as we can all talk about suffering, uh, there is a a pain that goes deep in our hearts which no sermon or nothing uh, nothing can reach there unless you, Holy Spirit, comfort or go deep within and only you can and apply the healing balm of Jesus over there. And this morning, We're asking for that, Lord. Go deep into our hearts. You know where we are hurting. You know the rope and raw wounds which we'd rather ignore. Apply the healing balm of Jesus over there. Help us to surrender. Help us to to joyfully participate of your work, in your work of renewing our hearts. Lord, we want to joyfully experience death to self as hard as it is. You can give us the power so that Christ himself can come and replace our sinful selves. To that end, we surrender In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.